The following podcast contains explicit language. It's Wednesday, March 29th, 2017. From Slate, it's The Gist. I'm Mike Pesca. Polling out today by CBS shows the majority of Republicans believe Donald Trump's evidence-free claim that Trump Tower was surveilled by the Obama administration. A large majority, 74%, says it was likely or somewhat likely. Though the FBI has found no evidence and the Trump administration directs all claims for such evidence to, I don't know, whatever's up next on the Fox News channel. Max Boot, Council of Foreign Relations, senior fellow, staunch conservative, Trump opposition figure, tweets, see, this is why Trump lies, because his base buys it. Actually, I think it's why he keeps lying. He lies because that's what he has always done, and there's never been much negative consequence. Now that there is negative consequence, you would think there'd be pushback, but it's not coming from the people around him, and it's not coming from all the people ensorcelled by whatever he can say. Therefore, he thinks it's a good strategy. But it's not just that the Trump supporters buy the lies and think they're true. Another polling firm, Morning Consult, did a poll where they took two Trump voters and also regular non-Trump voters, just everyone in general, and they, they mentioned a bunch of scandals, right? A bunch of the stumbles, the flubs, and they gauged how this affected Trump's popularity. So for instance, They talked about Donald Trump allegedly discussing national security information pertaining to North Korea's nuclear program at Mar-a-Lago. All voters, this affected their view of Trump negatively. He went minus 27 in the polls for that one. But with Trump voters, plus two. We liked the fact that he was at Mar-a-Lago talking about North Korean nukes. What about when Kellyanne Conway plugged Ivanka Trump's products. Among all voters, Trump's unfavorability rose by 23%. Among Trump voters, his favorability rose by 9%. Allegations made by Donald Trump that Barack Obama wiretapped his office. This hurt him among most voters. He went down 20. With Trump voters, he went up 21. And then they talked about the crowd size. All voters, negative 20 Trump voters plus 15, claims that the media is the enemy of the people. You know, most voters, this is a turnoff. He went minus 15. Trump voters plus 31. And then when Flynn resigned, negative 15 among all people, plus 16 among Trump voters. And then when Jeff Sessions recused himself, most people said, well, that's not a good thing. Minus 12. Trump voters said, yeah, it's a good thing. Plus 16. So it may not be that they're buying the lies or the spins or the explanations. They're beyond not put off by the lies. They cheer the lies. They like them. I could just see a strategy session. Oh, we really need a bump with the base. Okay, okay, I got it. How about we have Steve Bannon admit he's a warlock, and then he'll drink the blood of squirrels from a hot tub. The approval's gonna soar. But there's another theory that I saw. It's not that Trump voters are suckered in by the president's lies. Headline, Toronto Star, Trump voters, we like the president's lies. James Cassidy didn't need the director of the FBI to tell him Barack Obama never wiretapped Donald Trump at Trump Tower. Cassidy knew from the start that Trump made the whole thing up. He was happy the president lied. Quote, he's ruffling every feather in Washington that he can ruffle. These guys are scrambling. So yeah, I like it. I think it's a good thing. I want to see them jump around a little bit, Cassidy said. Cassidy, an unemployed former construction worker, was drinking at a bar when a buddy rolled up at a bicycle and they got to talking about their chronic pain. Toronto Star goes on to note, Cassidy is hurting and he wants powerful people to hurt too. So there is your theory. 
It's nihilism. It's darkness. It's sadism, really. The more damage Trump can afflict to others, to the truth, to himself, the better. At least he's afflicting. He's the afflictor-in-chief. Like a virus loosed upon the world, he may not be able to be controlled, but at least the world will suffer. (laughs) On the show today, I blame all of this on CNN. Okay, not all this, but definitely a half hour of coverage, and that will be covered. There was early reporting that a person or persons unknown may have been motivated by terror. But first, our homie, Maria Konnikova, on homeopathy. Hi, my name is Mike Pesca and I host The Gist. You know that because you're listening to The Gist. I think you should try podcasts. And I'm saying this as part of the hashtag TryPod campaign. What are the reasons I think you should try podcasts? Well, for one, during these 45 seconds or so that I'm talking, you will hear content and argumentation as opposed to emptiness or perhaps something pitched at a volume you cannot understand. That's the thing with podcasts. There is not one yet that exists only on a frequency for dogs, but if you could get enough people to try podcasting, maybe that's possible. Really what the Tripod campaign is, is to get a curious stranger or a friend and grab their phone from them and really just sign them up for a podcast and then they're on podcast. So it's, it's an evangelical movement. And once you do it, share your story with the hashtag Tripod, T-R-Y-P-O-D on Twitter. And we could all understand how you got someone to listen to podcasts. And if that person is a schnauzer, all for the better. On our show, we have a recurring segment called Is That Bullshit? And that segment's about to happen, but I think I have to give a warning, a trigger warning. We're going to go there. We're going to go to a place where practitioners of this art slash science may or may, maybe it'll be confirmed. I don't want to put my thumb on the scale. I don't even know what the scale is going to say. I just know that the thing that we're weighing is the topic of homeopathy. Or homeopathy. I think it's homeopathy. And we're playing it with, as always, Maria Konnikova. She is the author of The Confidence Game. She separates science fact from science fiction. And so we deal with homeopathy. Hello, Maria. How are you? I'm doing well, Mike. How are you? I'm well. I think I know the definition of homeopathy. Is it like uh, treating like with like? That's exactly right. All right. So where did it come from? What's the idea? It comes from this German dude, uh-huh. um, Samuel Hahnemann, uh-huh. and he did he did uh, receive a medical degree, so he's actually a German doctor. Yeah, but this was like what nineteenth century Germany, eighteenth um, century Germany, <laughs> okay. which means he had a well connected dad. Okay, yeah, he fine, got fine. he got his medical degree in seventeen seventy nine to be fine. precise. Yeah, so um, he was struggling to kind of make it as a doctor, and then one day he made this discovery that if he took what he called the bark, Zabach, <laughs> or what we now call quinine, um, he would get all of the same f- symptoms as malaria. So kind of the same fever, um, right. but to a much milder degree. Yes. And so, and so he thought, huh, eureka moment. Yeah. Um, and he writes this essay called called An Essay on a New Principle for Ascertaining the Curative Power of Drugs. That, by the way, is called clickbait, because he just could have said (laughs) quinine cures malaria. But instead, and by the way, malaria often transmitted by mosquito, I think what he found out was 
Zabak was no worse than Zabite. But, <laughs> but, uh, you went it, there. it is you true. Went there. It is true. Quinine does cure malaria. It does, yes. And the explorers took it. And uh, what's her name? The woman who wrote Eat, Pray, Love, like wrote a, a oh, yes. book about it. Gilbert. Yes. Elizabeth Gilbert. Yes. So that's all true. I'm with this guy. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. But then he goes a step further. He says, if you have any illness, you can cure that illness by giving a medicine that will produce the exact same symptoms, mm-hmm. but to a lesser degree. Exact and if you think, ab- and if you think about it, there's actually, you know, there's actually some truth to this because, you know, vaccinations, how do vaccinations work? Exactly. You vaccinate with milder forms um, of the disease. So you and see that. And I think that. with some stuff with allergies, it's treated with a little bit of yep. the substance. Yep. Yeah. Um, but okay, but that's a little but, different. Like but that's, treating, right. giving giving you a small dose of the disease, so, so you build up an immuno- immunology yes. is different from like trying to replicate yes. the symptoms of the disease. Yes. So he goes through a bunch of different substances, and he compiles. So he this. just does it all on himself. <laughs> so let's just say this guy dies a multimillionaire. Yes. So he starts doing it to other people okay, very quickly. Good. So he then takes it a step further, not only with the like cures like for all diseases, but we're going to dilute it. So this is called potentiation. So he says that you're going to take this substance and you're going to make it in a ratio of one to a hundred million. Oh. And that will be, that will make it even stronger because as you're diluting it, you're also shaking it. And this process of shaking makes it more potent. Hence, potentiation. Now, people at the time, even at the time, were like, what in the world is he saying? (laughs) So Oliver Wendell Holmes um, says that- Senior or junior? um, The one who is the physician and poet. That would be the senior. That's senior, right? Yeah, yeah. not the jurist. Yes. He says that his dilution would take, quote, the waters of 10,000 Adriatic seas, end quote. So Hahnemann, in the face of criticisms like this, keeps insisting that basically the homeopathic medicine is going to retain its power um, because he says that it's, uh, and now I'm quoting Hahnemann, dematerialized spiritual force. This guy's making up words left and right. Potentiality. He is the L. Ron Hubbard of his day. I'm going to throw that out there. Yeah. The, the kind potentiality of, of the dematerialized. And then, the, and, then you have the, yeah. and then you have the thing where it's like, no, no, no. I said one to a million. This is clearly one to a million and seven. You got the ratio wrong. He always has that out. Yeah. Yeah. So this guy dies. He dies a multimillionaire. There's a school of homeopathy, um, and they're really being ridiculed. So then they decide we're going to scale it back a notch, and we're going to say it doesn't cure all diseases because he said it cures all diseases, just some diseases. Um, So they said, you know, we we can cure a lot of stuff, um, but not not everything. We're we're not saying that we're going to be able to cure everything. Um, And so they say that. These days, there are 10 diseases that are purported to be cured by homeopathy. Okay. And that's asthma. Yeah. Depression. Yeah. Otitis media. Mm. I don't know what that is. Allergist rhinitis, hay fever, headache, migraine, neurotic disorders, nonspecific allergies, dermatitis, arthritis, and hypertension. Those are the 10 most common. And otitis media is a middle ear infection. Ah, there you go. Mm-hmm. And now it's actually become remarkably widespread. Yes. Since 2002, in the United States alone, the number of patients who use homeopathic remedies is estimated to have risen by 500,000%. Uh-huh. 
Sorry, not 500,000, 500%. Yeah. Just over seven years. Yeah. As over-the-counter remedies. In the UK, as of the early 21st century, um, about 17% of adults, it seemed, had used homeopathic remedies in the last year. No, I did not know that they were only pitching them for those 10. They're pitching it for everything. Yeah. Those 10 like, are the 10 the, most common. I go to the supermarket, uh, the the pharmacy, the aisles, and there are all these homeopathic cures. But I always yeah. thought it was... I, I don't. I, I never knew. Ex- I knew the definition of homeopathy. I didn't know how that was like with light because I always thought it was folk remedies, just essentially uh, like rose hips or like flowers and herbs and yeah. crap. Yeah. Is that what it is? No. I mean, it's diluted crap, okay. right? Okay. I think we have a few things left to cover. A few strands. Yes. Yeah. First, is homeopathy regulated in the United States? The answer is no. Okay. So be- because it's a supplement, um, we actually have no idea um, what is in any of these homeopathic remedies. But if they're actually homeopathy, um, then probably nothing, sugar mm-hmm. or whatever, because it's so diluted that the substance just retains its spiritual force. Was it spiritual force? Was that the... <laughs> <laughs> the potentiality? Yeah, yeah the, the potentiation. Um, and so people um, have started doing, this is the second part of it. Let's assume that all homeopathic remedies are from the substance that they say, and they've been diluted properly, you know, with 10 Adriatic Seas, and everything is good. Um, so then the next question is, do they work? All right. So do they work? Well, there was a review done in 2009. and the American Journal of Medicine, which is one of the kind of most prominent journals. And let me just say with a caveat, this review has been attacked in the journal Homeopathy and another <laughs> and another alternative medicine. <laughs> Go figure. Um, and it's called, Should We Maintain an Open Mind About Homeopathy? Okay. Um, and that, does, that doesn't even say what we're going to ask. We're going to ask, uh, it, all it says is, should we retain an open mind? Right, exactly. Yeah. Um, and Might it be true? Yes. And so here's, here's what um, the conclusion is after looking at the evidence over the last century and a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going to quote directly from the paper. Should we keep an open mind about astrology, perpetual motion, alchemy, alien abduction, and sightings of Elvis Presley? Yeah. No. And we are happy to confess that our minds have closed down on homeopathy in the same way. Couple things. Alchemy's real. They could do it. It's just more expensive than gold. Yeah. And there was like a 50-something year period there where sightings of Elvis Presley were also real. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Point that out. Absolutely. Um, And so Oliver Wendell Holmes had written this book way back when that said homeopathy and its kindred delusions. Um, And they seem to maintain the same thing for a few reasons. So first, none of these principles of homeopathy are actually proven. Mm -hmm. I mean, where did they get potentiation that shaking a substance and diluting it would make it stronger? There's there's no scientific basis for this whatsoever. Right. Where did they get the full manifestation of like cures like? Yeah. Which, once again, it's not like vaccination. That's not what we're talking about. Um, there's, once again, no scientific evidence of something like that. And then they say, well, okay, fine. Like, even if there's no scientific evidence, but it works, maybe that's okay. And so let's look at some randomized controlled studies. Right, right. Maybe they got it right by accident. Right. Yeah. And they find, first of all, um, so now I'm actually going to different papers. Um, one is in The Lancet, which is another 
big medical sure. German, where they look at placebo-controlled studies. Um, so they actually look at studies where some people get placebos and some people get um, homeopathic remedies. And by the way, these are really tough because most most of them aren't properly designed. So people know um, a lot of these studies, people know when they're getting the homeopathic remedy. So there aren't there's a lot of bad science in homeopathy. Here they looked at the good science and they say, hey, homeopathy does have an effect for some people, which is indistinguishable from placebo. Yeah. Okay. So people who don't get anything, no effect, but homeopathy, placebo, which is fine, which is great. If you're getting the placebo effect, if you're taking little sugar pills. All I ever wanted was the placebo effect. Yeah. And they're making you feel better. Then I hear if Obamacare goes away, they're even taking away the placebo effect. That's that's right. Yeah. That's right. Um, so the placebo effect, we've talked about it in the past, is a great thing. Yeah. Um, it and helps. Like, you know, absolutely measurable and, percentage increase. And there's a huge Statistic- selection bias. Statistically significant. Yep. Think about who's who's already taking the homeopathic remedies. These are people who believe in right. homeopathic remedies. Not and necessarily kooks. No. 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 And they people have a rapport. Human frailty. They have a rapport with the doctor. Right. Um, so there's kind of this big... There's a lot of stuff that's going on, mm-hmm. um, which which is all wonderful stuff, but it doesn't say that homeopathy is effective. I have one other insight. Remember that list of 10 things that they said they cure? Yeah. Uh, top of my head, depression and asthma, middle mm-hmm. ear infection. And like a lot of those things can be really bad, but they can also occur in light doses. I, uh, depression is yes. a little fa- fraught, but maybe you feel down and you call that depression. Yes. Or th- they, they often are things that will cure themselves. Well, that's actually, I'm so glad you mentioned that because yeah. some of the claims of the homeopathic people are like, this will help your cold in seven days. Yeah. How long does it normally take a <laughs> to cold to get better, yeah, yeah. <laughs> to, to kind of work itself out? This will help your paper cut heel in a week and a half. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So unfortunately for, for homeopathy, and I, listen, I've actually tried homeopathy, full full disclosure. You know, when I w- I've been really sick and I've been like, you know, what, maybe, may- why not? Maybe some ginseng extract is just what I... Well, ginseng is not homeopathy. Oh, because it's a real actual substance. So maybe there's ginseng in some home- homeopathic yeah. remedies, yeah. but ginseng is just an herbal supplement. Right. Everything yeah. everything needs to be diluted and potentiated. Don't forget the potentiation. And did it work for you um, or does your knowledge of the placebo effect it come did, into play and not allow? It you? did nothing. Yeah. No, it did not. All right. So at the risk of... Inviting the wrath of the homeopathic. There is a Venn diagram of the psychopathic and the homeopathic. We will have to ask, homeopathy, is that bullshit? As far as we know, homeopathy is bullshit. But, you know, but but perhaps uh, some have argued that there's still a value to keeping an open mind. Absolutely. Absolutely. Especially about things like alien abductions and Elvis Presley. Yeah. Um, and, And I will say the placebo effect once again, we've said this before, we but we love it. It's yeah. totally not bullshit. Yeah. So if homeopathy helps you, that's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Keep doing what you're doing. Um, just make sure that you're taking stuff from good providers because, once again, totally unregulated industry, yes. guys. You don't know what you're taking. Take the good homeop- homeopathy yes. that doesn't do anything but won't hurt you. Very good. Exactly. There's no way someone who believes in homeopathy wouldn't hear that and think we aren't the most smug, condescending jerks on earth. Oh, absolutely. We're going to get hate mail. <laughs> yeah. Maria Konnikova is the author of The Confidence Game. She presides over the Is That Bullshit segments. Thank you, Maria. Thank you so much, Mike. <laughs> Thank you.
And now the spiel. So a week ago, we focused on Rick Perry, energy secretary, his decision to insert himself in a student election at Texas A&M. The top vote getting candidate, the son of a big Republican donor, was disqualified because of the glow stick issues. Now, what? Oh, wait, I'm sorry. I'm being informed there's breaking news and I'm being informed of this by CNN. I was looking at my computer because yeah. we have some breaking news. So what happened around 9.30 in the morning was that there was an incident and details were just rolling in about a shooting, a report of shots fired near the U.S. Capitol. Details were incomplete at this time, but not so incomplete as to prevent just blowing out coverage and scrambling to bring viewers this important development. I mean, it was really out of their hands to cover it, right? Anytime we get reports of any kinds of shots fired or anything like this on Capitol Hill near the seat of government in the United States, it's a big deal, period, full stop. Well, it turns out if the driver had come to a full stop, none of this coverage would have been possible. We have some pictures. Hopefully we'll be able to throw up. Oh, they threw up more than pictures. Look, this isn't just a case of an all-news network breathlessly jumping into full freak-out mode before many facts are in, though it is that. This is 2017 terrorism, anxiety, in microcosm. What we knew, or thought we knew, was that a police car had been hit by a civilian and there were reports of shots fired. The idea that someone was trying to ram into police officers up there in a vehicle, mm -hmm. that is concerning. Uh-huh. Okay. They're ramming into police. What else do we know? It does seem we should say that the shots that were fired were warning shots, uh, and they came from police as this man was trying to ram him. Uh, and again, as you note, this man is now in custody. Turns out there was a problem with that statement. One, the arrested individual turned out not to have been a man. And two, warning shots. Now, I thought police stopped using warning shots. And my suspicion was just about the only thing that was confirmed by CNN. Police are not trained to fire warning shots, especially in a crowded area in the Capitol. It was repeatedly confirmed. Uh, police officers are not trained to fire warning shots. It was aggressively confirmed. And the initial report of warning shots being fired uh, is not part of any law enforcement training anymore. In fact, that type of uh, warning shot issue went out in the mid-90s. Okay, now that that's clear, what do we know? Let's recap. This is what happened. Uh, a man driving... Wasn't a man. This man is now in custody. The woman is in custody. CNN made sure the implication of why they needed to cover this, why you needed to know this, wasn't lost on the viewer. We know that someone is in custody right now. We don't know who it is. We don't know why they did this. We don't know if it was some accident or not. But in the broader context, we know that just a few days ago in London, someone tried to ram, you know, did, you know, run over pedestrians on the street near Parliament. We know that vehicles are now being used in attacks. In fact, last week... And remember what happened in, in the British Parliament, you know, when there was the vehicle attack. So there was a vehicular attack near Parliament. Therefore, well, therefore what? I'll tell you. Therefore, your news gatherer should figure out what was happening in the United States. Your anchors should say a sentence or two about the facts that they know. There was an incident and shots fired. And then your off-air personnel should monitor until facts are known. America is so scared about terrorism because terrorism gets the breaking wall-to-wall -wall coverage even when nothing happens, even when it's not terrorism. Since the London attack, which killed four innocents, 
There have been 12 mass shootings in the United States with 19 killed and 61 injured. These are just the mass shootings, meaning more than one person other than the assailant shot. There are some people who will argue, well, that's not really a mass shooting. That shouldn't qualify. I say, according to words, it's a mass shooting. But if the FBI or some other entity wants to have a stricter definition, that's fine. I am not using the literal definition, though, to try to inflate the numbers, right? If I wanted to give you huge, shocking numbers, I'd just tell you all the homicides since the London attacks, because that number would be in the hundreds. I'm just saying there are a lot of terrible mass acts that kill people. And I do not see Theresa May calling President Trump to express condolences over the 15 people shot at the Cameo nightclub in Cincinnati or the Maryland man who shot and killed his wife and two daughters the day after London or the Wisconsin man who killed his wife, two bank employees and a policeman the day of the London attacks. Now, listen, there is a reason to fear terrorism and there is actually a reason to fear terrorism more than a random spree killing. Terrorists have a stated goal of killing all of us, whereas spree killers or mass killers and domestic disputes don't have that goal. Though the likelihood of a terrorist actually being able to kill you is much, much lower than another type of these killers actually killing you. And overall, your chances of getting killed are, of course, extremely low. But terrorist organizations have in the past worked to pull off massive attacks, 9-11. So that adds to the feeling of unsafety. Then you have the random car attack, car ramming. And that's said to be so scary because, of course, cars are so accessible. Yeah, but so are guns. And cars are readily accessible to anyone who wants to harm us, not just terrorists. Fact is, there are far fewer people with murderous terrorists' thoughts in the United States than with murderous jealous thoughts or murderous vindictive thoughts or just generally insane thoughts. Terrorism is scary because of the mass damage it could do. Terrorism is scary because we can't stop the small-scale attack. But those two reasons are intention, you realize. Terrorism is scary because dying is scary, and this is a way to be murdered. But terrorism is also so very, very scary because of the way CNN rushes to cover anything that could be terrorism and reminds you of terrorism and fills in the gaps in knowledge with fears about terrorism. Obviously, there is so much concern right now about just that type of incident, vehicles being used Mm -hmm. as weapons. How hard is it to protect against that? While impossible to entirely prevent, perhaps the stronger point is that it is far from prevalent. Now, here is what happened with this shots fired and car rammed. This description is from uh, NBCNews.com. A car driven by 20-year-old Talia Everett of Washington, D.C. was headed eastbound on Independence Avenue in the direction of the U.S. Capitol when the driver apparently became frustrated with slow-moving traffic and did an erratic and aggressive U-turn, officials said. In the process, she struck a U.S. Capitol Police patrol car and kept going westbound away from the Capitol, which wouldn't stop U.S. Capitol Police officers fired at the car. No one was wounded by gunfire or was otherwise hurt. Although local station WUSA reports that officers tried to stop her car, but she made a U-turn and nearly hit the officers in one cruiser. I don't know which report to credit. As we've documented, news agencies sometimes are incomplete or inaccurate. Though it does seem that the lesson for Talia Everett and cable news is every once in a while, pump the brakes. Though we did learn something special this day. Said we're not trained to fire warning shots. We know!
That's it for today's show. Chris Berube, just producer, says if you see him in a bar, he will buy you a beer. But first, you've got to give him a warning shot. Mary Wilson, just producer, informs us Chris's offer is not true, was never true. Warning shots are no longer part of the Chris Berube repertoire. Steve Lichtai, executive producer of Slate Podcasts, has some information you might have not heard about warning shots. It turns out they are just not done in polite company. Andy Bowers, chief content officer of the Panoply Network, thinks that Mary and Steve were lying, but he kind of likes them more afterwards. The gist bringing you rolling coverage of car crash freakouts and working, though it is not confirmed, on the question, do police use warning shots? Umpuru deperu dupuru, and thanks for listening. <laughs>